I just had another aha moment. God helping me to understand what He's doing in my life. So I'm having experiences that I'm not yet fully conscious of or able to put my finger on the principle or the scripture that's happening. And I just happened to read a version of Second Chronicles 16.9, which incidentally I quote all of the time. And I saw it in here um, in Charles Stanley's book where it, it points out that the Lord strongly supports the words in the NASB are Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. And I thought, that is it. That is exactly the biblical answer for what God is doing in my life. That is why God speaks to me every day. That's why He's patient with me. He guides me. He directs me. He warns me. God is showing strong support on my behalf because He now looks down and knows my heart is completely His. This is another very foundational message that I want to teach people. And I want to be able to bring people right to the root. Because, you know, we can trip on all these or get focused and lost and make very little progress dealing with the external issues. All the different doctrinal issues and questions we have up here. God's timing, God's faithfulness, God's this, my that, this, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, salvation, all these different things, suffering that we get lost in, they're important issues. But until you deal with the main issue, until you get back to what the foundation was supposed to be laid, as Paul says, I've already laid a foundation and each one should be very careful how he builds on this foundation. A lot of Christians need to start from ground zero, no pun intended. And ground zero is, do you want God's strong support in your life, yes or no? Man, that is... That is what I want my message to people to be. It's, it's the answer to why you trust God. God doesn't say, trust me blindly, there's nothing in it for you. God repeatedly shows us scriptures that showcase fantastic benefits for those who will obey Him, fear Him, trust Him, love Him, and live wholeheartedly before Him. But man, you cannot, you cannot expect to, to receive the blessings and the, the strength and the providence and all the things that God does in the hearts and lives of other people, you can't expect to see those things in your life unless your level of devotion is matched. Are you If you give God 25% of your heart and you're expecting 100% providence and Him strengthening all your... Pff, good luck. So I want to definitely do a message about this. This is a big, big deal here. Nobody ever had to tell me to go be bold about God or to tell other people about God. I tell other people out about God out of the overflow of my experience in His goodness. If you've ever told anybody about anything good in your life, a restaurant, a movie, a place to go, entertainment, a book, it's because you felt good about it. You recognize goodness. If you haven't told people about God and you're not burning to tell people about God, what's missing? You haven't yet to experience His goodness. So this is how unbelievably awesome God is. Two days ago, I make a message about the fact that I don't know hardly anybody that takes God very seriously and actually trusts Him such that they see Him supernaturally working in their life like He does in my life. Talking to me, communicating, guiding my steps, and People don't want to bring my level of sacrifice so they don't see the same level of divine providence. And I make a mention in this recording, the, there's one person, this is incredible, one person I mentioned in this recording three days, two days ago, of all the people I've met, I can only think of one person I know of that, has, that takes God as seriously as I do and has the same childlike faith and she sees God speak to her in unbelievable ways. He answers her prayers. He blesses her, guides her, directs her. I mean, totally awesome stuff. Same, same thing with me. One person. Her name is Mary. Mary Flynn. So then this morning I make a recording about God's amazing sovereignty. 
and how God is showing me how in control of circumstances he is. And so God's just been showing me how he can guide you and direct you to milliseconds. Michael Commentary. So I was getting ready to tell the story in this journal entry of what happened. But even better, I found the video that Mary and I made in my car the moment that it happened. So I'm going to put the audio from that video in right here where you'll hear Mary and I telling this incredible story of how God answers her prayer real time. And then also I've included below the link of this audio um, a link to that video. Actually, you should be able to see the video there and you can watch it. May God bless you as you listen. Okay. But, um... <laughs> so we have to tell this story. This is an unbelievable... We have to tell the story. I have to put the lights on. Okay, May so I where are we this... sitting right now? We're in front of the Go the BF Goodrich BF Michelin Goodrich. store. Okay, so here it is. If Hopefully you can see me. I got to tell this story. This is real time funny. This is neat. So I have been working on, incidentally, I've been working on a video for Relentless Heart that I haven't had a chance to do now in weeks. And my no, mom, my mom, I know, yeah, my mom's been getting on to me every day. So anyhow, I'm doing a video, um, <clears throat> first time in weeks, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I went through the whole thing uh, and then I decided I'm done. I need to probably head on out. And so I'm getting up and I went out a door that I would have normally not gone out of, that I never leave out of that Starbucks, that side door. But I went to the restroom. Oh my goodness. So now I'm thinking about this. I went out that side door and I even thought, no, I shouldn't go out this side door because it's so cold. And it, I was cold right now. Right. So I walk out that side door and I come around the building. If I wouldn't have come out that door, I would have never seen you. So I went around, a, I went out of a door I've never been out of. I come out of the door and I, I look up and I see this lady and it's dark outside as you can see yes. I see this lady kind of with her head down a little bit and I looked yes. instantly and I think that looks like Mary it is and Mary's kind of got her head down a little bit I've and been, she looks up praying. and she's sitting there now you tell you tell this part you tell this part you're sitting there what happened well I was I actually when Michael saw me I was actually praying because I was parked in that Starbucks after the, a light had gone on in my car and a bell went off indicating that the engine had overheated and I looked and sure enough it was it was way up toward the heat and I was thinking right at the time what am I going to do you have choir practice I have choir practice and then you were I had planned for God. to go and I what I was praying to God at that time was please get me home at least get me home i was praying and then i looked up and there's michael and we old? have never once and not only that, at that never once in two ever. years never and, once in two years never once in two years and not only that but then you decide why don't I said I tell you what I'll either take you home you say no I want to get the car there and so I said I tell you what I'll follow you just in case really would you do that I live 30 minutes I said who cares I don't care let's go we made it what two blocks yeah two blocks. two blocks and she calls me and says can't do it so we've just dropped the car off but is God good or that's what that's just it this it's is incredible. It's incredible. It's inc it's I mean two it's years ago two thing. years ago you and I have this divine encounter I know outside of Starbucks. I know. God just blesses the moment, leads you into forgiveness that has been life-changing to you. That has been. And incidentally, we're going to tell the story professionally one day, not with a handheld iPhone yes, sitting we in are. a car. There's a, there's a lot to tell. And so funny is, she was supposed to come to my house, to my studio, right. on the 20th of January. That's correct. But she had something happen, and she had to cancel. Yeah. And very important what, what yes. happened Yes, and so day. now we see God's getting her back for ditching out on the Relentless Heart testimonial video. See, what? <laughs> see, that's what I get. My engine overheats. Okay, well, let's get this girl home. God bless, bless. you. Always trust God, God and always pray. always pray. Always pray. Always pray. This was an amazing answer to prayer. I, I mean, when I looked up and there was... Michael. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. God is good, girlfriend. God is oh good. Oh my goodness. Okay, see and you I later. I guess I'll find, see you later. <laughs> I'm walking around the house and I'm praying for Stephen. And I'm thinking about what a horrible situation this is for him where this guy has had total darkness for two years. Everything that could go wrong has life fallen apart. And he's basically in a black hole of feeling sorry for himself. 
He's had a friend who he has monopolized her time and keeps her up at night. And he's been having way too many conversations with her for forever, ever, ever, ever. Taking her away, she's just codependent enough to dive in and continue to stay in thinking that she can help this guy. It's a completely unhealthy situation. And I've, I've ta- tried to talk to both of them. I've talked to her and asked her, please just kind of get out of his life, let him fall flat, and then God can help him, but not while you're playing God in his life. And this man I've tried to reach out to now, I've sent him a long voice recording, which apparently he's saying that he never received. I've sent him long emails. I sent him Brett's email from uh, Zimbabwe. I've sent him several texts. I've called him. He won't return my texts, won't return my phone call, won't return my emails. And I think to myself, this guy is trapped. Satan has so blinded this guy. And this happens to all kinds of people. Satan has so blinded him from the help of God that he's not even willing to reach out. He doesn't realize that God has been telling me, call the guy. Offer him to come live with you. God has confirmed for me to bring him help. I feel like it's this, the project story all over again. Where God asked me to go into the projects, find a family, get to know him, and buy him dinner. And I went. And they couldn't receive it. They looked at me strange, like I had ulterior motives. They didn't trust me. Now, obviously, looking back, I know the Spirit of Christ is the one that led me to do that. Just as the Spirit of Christ led Jesus into the desert, you'd say, well, why in the world would you go? Well, you go because the Spirit leads you. It doesn't make human sense, but you go where the Spirit leads you. And so the Spirit led me to do that, and I was rejected. And at the end of the day, God showed me, Michael, they couldn't receive your gift, and they couldn't receive your presence because they didn't trust you. They thought you had ulterior motives. They didn't really know who you were. They didn't know your true heart, your true ways. And they couldn't receive you because they prejudged you. And Michael, this now is is how people treat me every day. Now you know tens of thousands of my children are not able to receive my very best gifts for them because they do not trust me. And they do not know my ways. They have bad perception over who I am, what my motives are in their life. And so, I think there's so many amazing things God is opening my eyes to. But He just continues to teach me more and more and more such that I'm like, wow. I mean, just amazing how this whole Christian life thing and walking in faith is coming together as a big picture in my heart. I'm starting to to see more and more how God works in different ways and how he thinks and how he operates and how he hurts and how he loves and all these different ways of God. And I'm, I'm slowly starting to learn how to bring my life more in alignment with these deep ways of God. And I'm seeing more blessings. I can only imagine that if I stay with God's grace on this course, What will it look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if I could continue to stay on this path where God continues to teach me and give me wisdom, and then I'm able to further yield myself and my heart to Him, oh my goodness, it's awesome. But I just, I wanted to make this quick recording because it's amazing to me, this guy I'm trying to help. Here he has no idea that I'm bringing life-changing help to him. Was willing to have him come live in my house totally rent-free in this house that was designed for that purpose. Pour into him. Disciple him. Teach him all the things that God's been teaching me. Encourage him. Help him involve, help him in. And I still am praying that God will open his eyes. I'm praying that God will open his eyes. But it's amazing to me right now to see that he is totally trapped and Satan has got blinders completely on, shackles perfectly fitted on this guy. And he's not able to receive this life-giving help. He's crying out to God, oh, God, help me. He sends these text messages. Unfortunately, she shared one of them with me. And he basically is saying, I hate my life. My life's not worth living. I'm ready to give up. I don't know why I even exist. 
you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm a loser like my dad said I was. He's just caught. The enemy has been firing missiles at him so so much, he's, he's, he's not even in reality. He's lost touch with reality, and here I come along and say, hey, I have a fresh drink. And all he can think is, I don't drink that kind of water. I don't trust you. I don't know what's going on, but whatever that is, that's not what God has for me. I'm waiting for God to bring me what I asked him to drink, not what you have in that jar. So the man with the jar walks away, and the guy that wanted something to drink dies. I mean, that's basically what looks like. I don't believe that's going to happen with this guy. I pray it doesn't. I mean, I would hate to think that I might make a recording one day about a guy that God asked me to help, but who couldn't receive the help and instead killed himself. I mean, that is the reality. This guy has been suicidal. He has no idea that I've given hours of my time, hours of my time in thinking about him, praying about him, counseling with his friend about him, thinking about him, listening to God about him. And then God has, you know, said to me, the man who will live in your house will be ever praising you and meaning that he'll be thankful when he comes here. But right now, and that's why I believe that this is not the end for him. I believe that, again, I don't know what God's will is. God could have asked me to, he could be teaching me. It could be that the Lord is trying to show me a much deeper level of understanding on the whole project story. When I went to the projects and they refused me, rejected me. And now it's like God has shown me another level of that. If for some reason this guy ends up never coming out of this black hole that he's in, or if he ends up taking his life, then I'll know that God was trying to give me yet another bird's eye view of how horrible it is and destructive it is when a person does not understand the ways of God, when they have a distorted, skewed image of God. I, Tozer says, when you have a distorted view of God, you will have a distorted view of you. And I, I would think that God may be giving me a bird's eye view of this. It is my hope and prayer that that is not the case. It's my hope and prayer that, that God is just challenging me to continue to pray for this man and to believe in faith because I feel a desire to help him. I feel a desire to help this guy. And on one hand, I have this man named Brett in, in Zimbabwe or Natalie in the Netherlands or Lori Ledbetter. I don't know where she's from, but these people who are asking so much for help. Michael, how do you, the people that contact me on YouTube, how do you keep going? What scriptures what prayers? What did you do? How did you do it? How long did you have to do it? People desperate for help. And then I see this guy. And the most the best help I have to offer. I mean, get this. The best help that I have to offer anybody is, is I mean, the, the most costly is I'm willing to let the guy move in with me. And, you know, help him with his electricity and pay all this, his bills so he has no bills except for, you know, maybe a little food, and to pour my life into him, to let him be in my personal space, to to pray with him, to get in the ditch with him, to disciple him, to go places with him, to introduce him to people, to help him. I mean, I'm willing to pay a much higher cost to help this guy than what it's costing for me to help the people in my ministry, where I maybe meet with somebody once a week for coffee like Matt Nixon, or I make recordings to people like Brett and Arizona or encourage whatever I'm doing, writing emails to people, but I'm willing to give this guy my very best gift. I mean, I have nothing else better to give this man than to say, here's my home, make it yours, come in, live, eat, put your food in my refrigerator, kick your shoes up and enjoy the electricity, the television, the internet, the, the books and all that stuff that I can help you with. I'm willing to help this guy with the best I have and he's not willing to receive it. He won't I haven't he will not even call me back. Now, I've never told him and I'm not supposed to tell him. I'm not going to manipulate the circumstances. I'm trying to tell him. I've said, "Listen, if you want help, help is available and I believe God wants me to help you, but I can't help you and neither can God if you refuse it." That was the last email that I sent to him last night. Very delicate way, but um I uh I am now
really watching this going, man, if this guy could see this, all these people that are coming to me that want help, and I give it, but I can't give them anything like I could give him, and he won't even take my phone call. I mean, that shows the condition of his heart. He is absolutely walking in darkness. God bless him. So I'm going to continue to pray, but I just want to capture this because I know that the Lord is trying to teach me. There's, God uses all things for the good. It isn't just about Stephen. It's not about me. God is using it both ways. I'm, I'm going to learn so much. God just continues to open my eyes about the condition of people's hearts about the problems they face, and about the strategies of Satan to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so I'm going to just go to the Lord in prayer now. I just had the most incredible hour and 20 minute call with Jeremiah Turner. He has blessed me so much. He opened up to me about how much of an impact that I've had in his life that he said when he first met me, he said, this guy's not for real. Nobody knows God like this. Nobody really loves God like that. And he said that as he had been praying for me over the last couple of months, he said, I've been such an example to him. And he said that when he would pray or think about me, he said, the Enoch would come to mind. A person who walked so closely with God that he didn't even taste death. And he said, Michael, when I was praying about you, God brought up, he said, he said he had prayed, is it possible to have this kind of a relationship with God and walk so closely with him? And he said that God mentioned Enoch to him with my name. That he gave, he, in other words, God was trying to help him know that I'm an example of, of an Enoch relationship. That yes, it is possible in this day, because he was praying, but is it possible in this day to have a relationship like Enoch had with you. And he said that God, through the Spirit, spoke to him, Michael. He said he keeps showing me you as an example of steadfast God. I just started to weep. And I reminded him that God loves him so much that God put back Bernard my relationship with Laura so his life could be saved and my heart could be changed and all kinds of other good reasons and and just the whole, just all of it was so incredible. He is getting it and his eyes are opening to the ways and things of God like very few people I know. He's, God gave him a Jonah experience, put him in jail for the wrong reason, and he fought and hated it and all that, finally surrendered, and God is just blessing him. And now he calls me about every couple of four or five days to do a Bible study and we do Bible study. He tells me what's in his heart. And I share some scriptures and all that. But God has got plans for this guy. And he just blessed me so much. I'm so humbled. God is producing amazing fruit all around me. And blessing me finally. I've said, God, please give me fruit that lasts. Please don't let me just be a five-minute encourager in people. But then they go back to their old ways. God, let it be that I see people's lives changed and you glorified and you loved and obeyed and trusted like never before. And this is happening. He said to me, he wants to bless me so much. He goes, one day you're going to see how much what you did for me meant. And he said, you're going to have to promise, 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 promise that you'll receive it. He says, because I know you're modest and you have a hard time taking. And I just said, man, I'll receive whatever. I said, but Jeremiah, you have already given me the best thing you've ever given me. I said, when you respect my dad and you love my dad, you honor me. When you obey the words that I'm sharing with you, you're honoring me. As Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they obey my teaching, they'll obey your teaching. So anyhow, I'm just so, so unbelievably blessed of the Lord by this man's faith and how he's getting it. And he said, Mike, I don't want God's stuff anymore. I just want him. He says, I don't even want whatever it is that his best is for me outside of him. He says, I don't want it for vain. He said, and I know that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. He said, I've known it since I was a little kid. And I'm not saying that in the wrong way. And I said, that's all right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Same thing happened to me. And, um, Man, I'm just so excited. So excited of what's going on. Man, I'm so excited. And here I'm getting an email. Michael, thank you for your last recording. As always, God has used you to bless my life. This is from Hector Fabrice in Winter Park, um, Florida. I'm so excited. So excited. 
Okay, well, time to go. I gotta go help out Mary today to pick her car up from Bridgestone. God is good. Well, my life is just turning out to be one amazing event after another. I can barely keep up with making recordings of all the unbelievable things that God's doing. I had the most amazing conversation with Jeremiah Turner this morning. I had the most incredible conversation with Todd this morning who called me to tell me that God had spoken directly to my heart about his problem. Having not spoken to this guy in months, I shared a word with him that God was telling me as I prayed for him, things are in the way, you've got something that's blocking God's flow in your life. He calls me today, tells me exactly what it is, confesses it to me, so blessed. Then I go and get to pick up Mary again. Mary and I are rejoicing over how God connected us just amazingly last night. This morning I woke up feeling a little anxious. I have a doctor's appointment for what looks to be like maybe a skin cancer on my head. My mom's been worried about it for the longest time. It's 422.1 right now. My eyes just looked. 422.1, my eyes looked at it. That is the promise of me getting ready to enter the promised land that God said. I told Jeremiah this morning, God has been telling me over and over that I'm about to enter the promised land. So that 422 was a distraction, but a good distraction. But I woke up this morning feeling a little concerned about this maybe being cancer, you know, something new I've never faced before. I found myself getting on my knees this morning and said, Lord, I thank you for this. This is humbling me because God, if you were to throw a divorce situation, a child situation, a, a, a financial situation, God, you know, those things roll off of me like water on a duck's back. I don't have any fear in that way. I trust you. God, I got on my knees and said, Lord, this is something new that I've never faced. Father, it's humbling me and it keeps me humble and I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I don't have gripping fear. I'm just aware of it. And it's weird for me to be aware of anything that I would give concern to because God has just given me this unbelievably strong faith. So I have a phone conversation with Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks a word and says, Michael, I just want you to know God is, he says, I feel like when I'm praying about you, God has told me that I need not pray about you you are more than okay and that God is going to do something so extraordinary in your life it's going to blow your mind and he said it's going to be right in line with what is in line with who you are and what you desire and all that stuff and and so he said that and then he said but I'll tell you I believe God's going to allow a few more things into your life that will continue to shape and in a couple of ways will be a couple of specifically designed issues specific for you and I said Jeremiah say no more listen to what I'm about to tell you and I told him about getting on my knees and thanking God specifically for this skin cancer thing, whatever it is on my face, my forehead, because I knew that it is specifically something that's humbling me, that it's causing me to depend upon God and trust him in another area, an area of health. And so <clears throat> I get in the car and, oh, a, a message is on 90.5 and the guy's talking about cancer. It's a doctor, it's a, it's a pastor who has been healed of cancer twice, once supernaturally, once through the help of medicine. And he was talking about, don't put God in a box. God can use all kinds of different ways to heal. He made the point of all the different ways in the Bible that were healed. One time Jesus would speak a word. Another time he would touch somebody. Another time somebody would touch him. Another time he would spit on their eyes. Another time uh, a man was to dip in the water. Another time a man had to rub fig leaves on it. Another time, I mean, all these different ways. The idea you can't put God in a box and it, God is not a God of formula. Do this, confess your healing and it's done. He's not that kind of a God. Your position is to show up in faith and trust him. And then he told the story of this young girl who died of a curable form of diabetes because her parents believed in faith that God would heal her and they didn't believe in doctors. Now at one time, I could have been more like that. But now I've obviously am at that place where I realize you totally depend upon God. You trust God. You pray and you seek his face and direction. And you go to a doctor if he doesn't stop you from going to one. Then God can use a doctor. Of course. He does all the time. So... But you shouldn't run to a doctor first with every little thing. You should seek God first every time you have a problem. You run to God first, let him speak. So that happens. And I'm thinking, all right, Lord, am I going to go this morning? And, you know, are they going to say, Michael, this is, you know, melanoma. And, uh, you know, what would happen? 
Well, I've already known that I have promises from God. I have promises from God that I'm going to have a beautiful wife who's going to be my life partner, that we're going to have plenty of good years together, that my children, including hers, are going to be many, that God is going to do something in my life. It's been, it's been spoken to me by, I believe, an angel from heaven in 2001. God will be magnified and glorified through your obedience. And I have these promises. Even now, as I spoke, I'm saying I'm getting ready to walk into the promised land. So even if I walk in and they say this is the deadliest kind of melanoma ever, I already know there is a promise that trumps that problem. The problem is in the face of the promise, but the promise based upon faith trumps the problem that I'm going to have or have, whatever it is. So I'm driving down the road and I'm praying on my way to my mom's house to get ready to go to this appointment, which is in an hour and a half. And I'm having to go to a free clinic because I don't have money. So I'm driving down the road and I'm praying and I said, Lord, I'm a little bit intimidated about this. I said, Lord, I just want to confess it to you that, you know, this is outside of my realm of experience and I don't like going to doctors. That's mostly my intimidation is I, I would prefer that I could live my whole life without ever having to go for a physical, without ever having to have a needle stuck in my arm again. It sounds wimpy. I just don't like doctors. And I guess I'm a lot like men <laughs> that way. So I said, Father, I'm feeling a little bit of concern about this. I'd say a little bit of fear. I'm not, you know, my heart, you know where I'm at right now. And so, Lord, I'm just going to trust you and claim your promises about that time a car is getting off on the freeway license plate 344. And I'm like, God, is that a number? Should I, should I look that up? Are you speaking a word to me right now? And I felt like I was supposed to look up the number. And I felt like I was supposed to go to Psalms. So I went to Psalm 34.4 as I finish up praying, and this is what it says. Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The cancer, or whatever it is, the skin lesion, whatever it is, is on my face. Jeremiah said to me the day, he put it in a place that you could never deny it. He put it right there so you'd have to look at it, specially designed for you. And I said, Jeremiah, that is a word, brother. And I'm telling you, you're right because I see it in videos. I see it every morning. It's starting to itch. And so I know this is something that God is going to want me to have taken care of. And it's possible I may get some difficult news, but I get to totally trust that God is going to take care of it and I have no fear of it. And it's so funny because Mary and I were just sitting here talking about what is the point of the adversity that she had last night? And I said, Mary, look at this. Your water pump goes out. God began working on an answer to your prayer hours before you ever even prayed because he's already moving my heart, directing my schedule, my path. Then you look up from your car and she says, Michael, I just can't even get my head wrapped around it. You look up from your prayer and there I'm standing. And she said, and I said, look at what the challenges are ahead of you in court. And look at the challenges ahead of me and whatever. And I said, you and I, God is teaching us how sovereign and how in control he is. We have to do our part. Our part is just to participate in his will. First seeking his face and all things. God, give me a word. What is it you want me to do? How is it you want me to respond? And so God used that adversity to help both of us see I am completely in control. I have the ability to work on answering your prayers before you even know to pray for them. That is an awesome God. So I'm going to put my faith in that. I'm going to walk in brave, confident, no matter what they tell me. No surprise to God. Totally trust Him. Thank you, Jesus. This is incredible. I was on my way to the clinic. I see a car 999. And I immediately, that means, go worship the Lord on this holy mountain for the Lord is holy. I had seen 646 two or three times today. I'm on my way to the clinic to get some skin cancer checked out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be running short on time, but God, are you, are you really telling me? I don't want to just be seeing a random license plate. Are you really telling me? to go to the mountain today and as I'm praying I look over 999 so I'm like settled I know I'm supposed to go and I go into the clinic I get an appointment for the third I come out I'm on my way home first number 
I see 2212. And I'm like, Lord, I've been seeing that number since Gustavo went to California and I started seeing it a lot. He sent me the first one. His distance was 2212. And I said, this seems to be a different number than just 212. It's almost like it's, what does it mean? What does it mean? I'd ask him, what does it mean? So finally, I'm just driving down the road and I opened up the scripture to uh, Genesis 22:12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me your son, your only son, withheld from me your son. That is the story of my life about putting my Isaac, my children up on the altar. I literally just wrote the story the day before yesterday about how for my new project, I wrote a short story explaining that the kids were had become an idol in my heart and I put them on the altar. And now I'm seeing the 2212 and I'm like, okay, Lord, so what does that mean? I just went to that one scripture and I'm like, wow. So then I keep driving. I see 155-801 and the next one I see is 622. It's all these commands about be very careful to obey all that the Lord has commanded you. I'm telling you, I'm actually getting a little nervous because I'm like, Lord, I feel like you're telling me you're proud of me. You're doing this amazing fruit. And so I'm getting, I'm getting kind of nervous uh, because I feel like the Lord, is that an 818 in front of me? Goodness gracious. And this person slowed down just enough so that I could actually see the 818. And now there they go. They're taking off again. We consider that our present sufferings are not worth compared, not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Wow. Wow. I mean, I think what God must be trying to tell me, and I'm going to go to the mountain right now. I'm going to go. I think what God must be trying to tell me is... He's, he's showing me the need to obey over and over and over and over. Like, okay, I'm being obedient. I'm pretty sure. But I think what God is trying to tell me is he's trying to tell me to make sure that I am obedient. Listen to these words. However, there should be no poor among you. It's interesting. I just went to a poor clinic. And I thought, my appointment's not until the 3rd of March. I said, you know what? I wonder if God's going to give me some money by then. Not that I minded, but I, you know, I had, I literally had to go to the poor person clinic just now because I don't have any money. So I'm leaving and here I see this. However, there should be no poor among you for in the land your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you if you only fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. Another number was um, 350, no, uh, the 801. Okay, now listen to this. The 801 came right after that. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may enter live and increase and may enter the and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Okay? So there's another number that God showed me. Another number is 722. Jeremiah 722. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways I command you, that it may go well with you. Another number. This has to do with walking into the promised land. If you notice, it's incredible. God is giving me all of these numbers, and every one of them has to do with obeying him and entering the the, the promised land. So he's trying to tell me that when I go into the promised land, I have to continue to be careful to obey Everything that he tells me, because again, I've sensed that once you walk into the promised land, it's easy for you to relax and say, okay, now I have money. The pressure has been taken off. So I feel like God is going out of his way to warn me and warn me and warn me that it's very important that when I walk into what he's getting ready to do, that I remember I need to maybe put all these scriptures on my windows and everywhere I go to remember to obey everything that he asked me to do so that it will go well with me. 
So the next scripture that God keeps showing me, and I've incidentally seen it twice now today, is Deuteronomy 4.22. Deuteronomy 4.22 says, I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan, but you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Okay, so uh, this is um, um, amazing. Okay, so there's that. Then there's another number. The other number, if I scroll down here to the bottom, is 522 is another one. You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear the beasts of the earth. For you will have a covenant with the stones of the field and will be, and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. Praise God, you will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it is true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. Job 5.22. This is a number God keeps showing me over and over and over. So there's another one. Um, what is 2.55? No. Uh, anyhow, they. I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but they all have to do with me walking into the promised land. God keeps telling me I'm going to stand before the assembly and proclaim that all of his promises came true. 1 Kings 8.22. And again, these are not promises that I'm just plucking out of the air and applying to myself or even plucking out of the Bible. The way this has happened is there's this number that will show up in my life over and over again. I'll pull in my driveway and see it. I'll get out. My checking account balance will be it. Um, you know, I'll see it on a, uh, my eyes will just go right to it on a license plate and I'll see them two or three times in a day and I'll know that's a word that the Lord's wanting me to know. And then I only see them as I need them. But I, this is very exciting to me because I feel like, and I'm going to go to the mountain right now and pray, but I feel like God is just telling me over and over again that something really spectacular is getting ready to happen. And it already feels like it is. I mean, this is just incredible. There was the 855 right there. Um, wow. To God be the glory. I've been having so much good things happen today. I knew it was only a matter of time. I'm looking at a truck right now, USF Holland Inc. 536661. I said, God, thank you for the warning. I started thinking about putting my eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12.2. Next vehicle, truck, passes that truck at the same time, 666 on it. Two 666s on two trucks passing each other at the same time. I just sent an email letting her know that I sent her another $300 today. And um, God's telling me to be very careful to obey all that he's commanded so that I may enter and possess the land. But I also know there's giants in the land and and they're trying to, they want to mess around with me. So I'm so thankful that the Father warns me. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what that will be. This message is about doctrines of demons. And I'm in the woods and I'm praying and, and I'm, I just am praying very heavy in the spirit for a couple of people. And somebody recently asked me to pray for their wife. And this person has had so many things go wrong in their life. I mean, terrible car accidents, just mishap after mishap, health issues like crazy, cancer stuff, this, that, and the other, all kinds of just terrible things. Now, I know that there are some people who just suffer more than others. But when I met this person, I sensed that the first time I got, the sense I got was this person believes very differently about God than I do. And what I've started to think about, I've been seeing this more and more, and I've been talking about the need to have good understanding and to align your way of thinking in all subjects of life in line with God's way of thinking. Now, all of us are going to be outside of God's way of thinking on certain things, but as we grow, we should be aligning more and more with God's way of thinking on things. And thus, we'll see more and more of Him and more and more of His work in our life and in the lives of those around us. And I started thinking about how many sincere people I have met that really, and I just had, I just told the Father, I said, Father, some people are just so weird. Some Christians, that people that call themselves Christians are just so weird, God. They get themselves involved in just some really weird stuff. 
And it's like God just showed me doctrines of demons. I mean, literally, while I'm praying, doctrines of demons. And I'm like, okay, oh, wow. That's it. When you when you believe things, I was trying to explain this to my parents earlier today, and I had had so much caffeine, I was fired up, and they felt I was up. They felt like I was aspiring with them, being aggressive. I'm just passionate about the truth. But I was trying to explain to them that it's our responsibility to conform our way of thinking to God's. God does not overtake our mind and say, you're now going to think like me. No, it's our responsibility to learn what pleases the Lord. They have this thinking that says, well, God is sovereign. He's in control. And so not everybody's going to be where you're at. It took you a long time to get here. But what I'm trying to help people understand is that I got here by going direct from the Lord. I didn't have anybody that had this wisdom in my life who could say, hey, Michael, have you ever realized that if you'll begin to think like God thinks in all the areas of your life, that God will in- enter into those areas and you'll see fruitfulness and you'll see peace and joy and rest. I didn't have anybody to teach me that. So my long journey was 19 years of me lolly freaking da Christian and got myself completely messed up. And then I went to the Father and said, God, teach me how you want me to learn, not from men. It's interesting, I recorded the message yesterday about this, not going to men. And today, Dr. Tony Evans, you know why you don't see the moves of God? You know why you don't see the supernatural? You know why you don't see miracles? Because you're too busy going to men. And when you run to men, you're going to get men's results. You run to God, you're going to get God's results. And so, this doctrine of demons thing, so many Christians do not understand that what they have is not just bad understanding. They have literally been taught doctrines of demons. Demons take Christian truths, they pervert them, and they twist them. The Bible says false teachers do this to their destruction. Well, demons are already destroyed. But they have the opportunity to destroy others until the day of judgment. If I am believing something, it could be that I don't just have bad understanding about it. It could very well be that I'm believing a teaching that is a twisted teaching of the doctrines of demons, which means that demons have taken the truth of God, perverted it and twisted it, and they're they're repackaging it and selling it as God's truth. What, Assuming this is true, which the Bible says it is, what might we conclude about the results a person might see in their life if they're believing doctrines of demons? And the entire time calling themselves a Christian, what does that look like from heaven's perspective? That you go down and you call yourself by the name above all names, but yet you are endorsing, believing, walking in, and teaching doctrines taught by demons. It's important for me to point out, the Bible literally says doctrines of demons. That means not lies that are going to blatantly look like lies. Doctrines are compiled beliefs about certain subjects of God that we're supposed to get from the scriptures. So when a person takes a doctrine, or rather a demon takes a doctrine and pervert it, that means that it's godly teaching that is ungodly. Something to think about. I see all these people. Now I'm a prophet who has no honor in his own hometown. There's certain people I see this in their life that I don't have any permission really to say or any position to, to say these things. And really most of them are not in my life anymore since I left that one church. But it's just, a, it amazes me. The, the false teaching that's out there. And, it's, and again, what's the point? When you believe a false teaching, it isn't like God just looks past it and says, Oh, well, he's a little confused, but he'll come around. If you're believing a doctor and a demon, that means you've become a friend of the devil and an enemy of God. If the Bible says he who loves the world is an enemy of God, do you not know that love of the Lord is love of the world is enmity with God? If love of the world is enmity with God, how much more is the belief in or the teaching of doctrines of demons? Wow. I'm in the woods on February 10th, 2015, and I'm, I've just been having the most spirit-filled time of prayer. God has just energized me to praise Him, and it's just one of those times where 
He's just energizing me. It's incredible. But as I was walking, I looked way ahead and I saw this big, huge deer. And as I kept going, I saw three deer just head right up onto the top of the mountain. And I I realized I forgot to make a recording about what happened the other day. I entered the trail. And one of the things I began praying about was, God, how is this possible that you have made me so strong in my faith and made me feel so secure that I feel like nothing could shake me, that no problems, no issues, God, why is it that, that, how is it, Lord, that this is possible? I mean, is this, it almost felt too good to be true, and it has been like this for really months, but especially the last couple of weeks, God is just strengthening me and strengthening me and strengthening me. I just feel like, how is this possible? And as I was thinking about that, praying about it, a few minutes went by and all of a sudden there was a deer running on the left-hand side of the trail to try to get away from me and I kind of had him blocked in between the trail and the mountain. So he ran ahead of me on the left, crossed over full speed ahead in a very, very gnarly side of the mountain. Rocks, roots, tree stumps, everywhere. Just very gnarly territory. And this deer takes off, and I'm like, there's no way I'm getting ready to see this. He is not going to run. He runs straight up. I mean, it must have been a 70-degree incline, huge 10-foot rock faces. This deer goes up the side of that mountain as if he was running on flat ground. It. I literally said out loud, this is incredible. And because it's wintertime, I had this open area, and I saw this deer just bound up the side of this mountain. I'd never seen anything like it. It, he, he didn't get winded. He didn't look like he was trying. He just flat went up. And I thought, how in the world does that deer do that? He gets up to the top of the mountain, goes over the top. And I just said, God, you are unbelievable. You made the deer that can do that. You gave him that kind of strength. That is unbelievable. And it was like God just said to me, Michael, that's how I've made you. That's why you're feeling the way you're feeling about your problems. And all of a sudden, God reminded me of that scripture where the psalmist, I believe David, says, here it is, Psalm 18.33, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and He enables me to stand on the heights. What the psalmist is talking about is the exact thing that I had just seen. Where you're able to see a deer go beyond what a person could do, he just, he goes straight up to the top of the mountain. It was incredible. I got to see the whole thing. Of course, I didn't have my phone on me or I would have recorded it. But there it was, that scripture, Psalm eighteen thirty three. He makes my feet like a feet of deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. It makes me think of that First uh, Peter chapter 5, maybe verse 6. I can't remember. Up to, oh no, verse 10. You know, that after you have suffered a little while, the Lord will again strengthen you and making you firm and steadfast. And and, and I, I feel like this verse is exactly what's happening to me. I was telling Jeremiah Turner today, keep the faith. It is not always going to feel like this. A day of strength is coming. God is going to make you strong. And I feel like that's what God has done to me. He's made me strong like that deer. And no matter what challenges, obstacles, inclines ahead of me, God has given me the power and enabling me to go on the heights. This is incredible.